You're listening to Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 WGGTLP on your FM dial and online at gtownradio.com. Welcome to Cue the Mic. Cue the mic, cue the mic. This is Dr. Renee Norris-Jones, not a medical doctor, but a scholar, and um, I like having fun with the doctor. Uh, my grandson calls me Dr. Grandmother. Well, he doesn't say it with a British accent. He just says Dr. Grandmother, and she's four, so it comes out a little bit jumbled. But um, my That's pronouns would be are... if it was an English, if it was an English um, accent, though. Like, if you just randomly said it with an English accent and said nothing well, else with an English well, accent. <laughs> Well, you know, his name is Wolfgang, and I want to get him knighted as Sir Wolfgang. Haven't figured out how to do that yet. So um, somehow... Do you a British subject first? I'm not sure. I'm thinking about I'm a doctor. I'm just going to call the queen. I just need to get her number. Um, so somehow in the studio, every week I forgot my pronouns. But during the pandemic, I remember every week I am she, her, hers, doctor, sometimes dude. Um, yeah, those are my pronouns. And I'm here with my associate producer who does so many things and takes so much off of my plate, Fox. Yes, this is Fox. I go by she, her, hers, and also often dude. And recently, since I don't know anyone in the city, I've been going by, hey, you. (laughs) But, um, yeah. When did you move here again? Um, like just under a year before I started with Cue the Mic, so right around two years now. In a, in like a month or two, it'll be two years. And and you were in the happening Pittsburgh. No, no, God. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Harrisburg before this. Yeah, but not the happening Harrisburg, a, a different one. The the controversial Harrisburg. <laughs> As me and as me and Daryl were talking about the, he's like it's pretty much just known for the protests. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we also and have Sandy Smith. Uh, yes, hi, I'm Sandy Smith, uh, a semi-regular uh, host, uh, co-host on this show. Uh, my day job is home and real estate editor at Philadelphia Magazine. Uh, I also write for the neighborhood newspaper, The Local, serving Germantown and East Falls. And uh, just to set the people straight who send me email address, Dear Ms. Smith, uh, my pronouns are he, him, and his. And we have a special guest this week, um, Ms. Serena Soul Brown. Um, I met Serena... um, at G-Town Radio. Welcome, Sabrina. How are you? Thank you so much, Renee. I'm well. Finally, we get a chance to do this. Oh, my God. We've been trying to do this forever. <laughs> and I don't know where I started to say Sabrina from. I'm not sure. I don't even know any Sabrina. <laughs> Sabrina, I don't even know. I'm just like, I don't, you know, it's, I've been in the it's house. The old, it's I'm the old school. Oh, my goodness. So you were on G-Town from when to when? Oh my goodness, Renee, you are really taking this back. So I'm <laughs> like, I was, I've been there for like nine years or something. Yeah, I was there somewhere around eight years. So no, you got to be there. No, I, that's right, eight years because you left at a certain point. Okay, okay, five, right. Something. And, like and that. when did you leave? 
I think it was around 2011. I, I marked the date based on when I started to do like live shows, which right. was 2012. Live right. So, right, live. right. So now you're focusing on your music and you were doing music back then, but yeah. you kind of shifted everything to just music. Yeah, I did. You know, as an independent artist, I think I was taking the opportunity to kind of live out loud and build a platform that most artists don't realize, like how much work really goes into being a recording artist. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and my background was communications and broadcasting. So didn't know that I would ever end up at G-Town, but God bless G-Town. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Chance to kind of keep my chops, you know, up and meet some wonderful people such as yourself, and um, really just um, work on a, a, a mission that has got me this far. You know, getting um, branding done and um, giving other artists uh, around the world an opportunity to have a voice um, heard and to do some incredible marketing. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it is. I've not seen you in forever. In <laughs> forever. Um, well, that's how we do. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm trying to think the last time I saw you in person, um, it was at a, an event. Um, Clifton, maybe? It was the Clifton. Um, I don't yes, know if it was okay. a Christmas event or if it was a jazz event, right? I, yes, it was jazz or something. I'm pretty sure. I, I remember you being there. Um, I think you were doing something there. Um, of course, yeah, I, have, music. I produced an event for Cliveden. Um, I started like doing a summer jazz event for them back in 2012 and 2013. And then I was doing like some uh, seasonal things like a Christmas show at Martin Luther King um, celebration, right. a celebration show. And I think you were there probably for a few of those. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I'm really happy to see that you didn't say, no, it's Cliveden. It's Clifton. Most Philadelphians call it Cliveden all the time. Sandy, you want to chime in? Yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was Cliveden. <laughs> it is Cliveden, but people call it Cliveden all when the I, time. When I grew because up, it was Cliveden. Yes. Yes, but people yeah. don't. I, I, did, I did for my master's. In interior architecture, I used Cliveden as um, my case study. So I got a huge, they gave me access to all kinds of stuff. And that's when they were like, yeah, people call us Cliveden all the time. Even the street right there. Nope, so and they will argue you down and tell you that it's Cliveden. It's those Brits, you know. The Brits throw <laughs> all sorts of extra letters in their words that don't get pronounced, you know. Color with a U. Um there is a word, I think it's spelled C-H-O-M-O-N-D-E-L-E-Y, and it's pronounced Chumley. You know, Worcester, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Fox is new to Philly as a transplant. Do you, transplant, do you know where Cliveden is? No, I have no idea what you guys are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so have you been to May Day? Is it May Day? That's usually in April or May? No, what is it? It's, um, what's the problem? Mount Airy Day. Mount Airy Day, right? Day. That's what it is. Mount oh, Airy Day. Have you been to that yet? But I was in West Philly before I was here, so technically I wasn't even really up near Mount Airy. Right. Um, so if you year. hear someone calling it Cliveden, 
You can tell them that it's Clifton. Mount Airy-Dade's there. The Battle of Germantown's there. Um, it's right off of Upsol. Um, at Germantown and Johnson. Upsol and Clifton. <laughs> yes, 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 Clifton. Yeah, but people will swear to you that it's Clifton. And, and you can feel free to say, it's, it's, it's Clifton. <laughs> and the father-in-law, well, the soon-to-be father-in-law, one of my classmates, was, um, he's a Clifton like uh-huh. his family history. So he came up when I was doing the presentation, like I gave them like all of their plans, architecture plans were in paper so I computerized them for me in exchange of them let me, you know, use the site. And it was like, thank God you're not calling it Clive. And I was like, no, they let me know right off what it was called. So um, you'll have to check that out, um, Fox. Um, but it's a part of historical Germantown. And G-Town Radio is in historical Germantown. <laughs> So, Sandy, you want to tell us what we're doing tonight? Yes, sure. On the show this week, we start out with uh, our part. Uh, excuse me, just got discombobulated there. Um, on the show this week, we start out with My Pronouns Matter. Then Fox has her rant of the week, followed by a conversation with our special guest, uh, then we have our ever-popular gay answers to straight questions, followed by our lightning round, newsworthy or not. Thank you, kind sir. Um, you know, and so, sir, is, is sir one of your pronouns, sir? I feel like that's more of an honorific, I right? Do answer, I do answer to sir, yes. Yes. I also answer um, to mister. Okay, okay. So, what are your pronouns, and do you use pronouns, Serena? Uh, me, she. <laughs> no, she, she, her. She, her. Okay. She, her. And, 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 and Serena is an ally. So, yes. so, have you heard the whole everything regarding pronouns and why pronouns are important? You know, I have, you know, to be honest with you, I have not really focused on it. I mean, I know I am aware that it's going on and I respect um, the pronouns that people refer to and want to be referred to as. So I just follow suit. Okay. Okay. You know, and that's all we ask people to do. Um, When I was doing brainstorming and kind of putting this show together, this is like my third show on G-Town, but putting it together in the segments, what? prompted kind of this particular segment into coming into play. It was a couple mm-hmm. Christmases ago. I was shopping at, I think, the only um, brick-and-mortar major bookstore in Philadelphia, Barnes & Noble, right at Rittenhouse Square. And it was right before the holiday. I was in there getting some last-minute Harry Potter gifts for my adult daughter. Mm-hmm. And as I came downstairs to the first floor, the person behind the counter they had more Harry Potter stuff. And I was like, oh, my God, what is that? And, and they were like, oh, my God, you have to see this, this. I mean, literally, we held up the whole line. They helped me do so much. And at the end, normally I would go, thank you, kind sir, or thank you, ma'am, or thank you, you know, something kind of clever and witty, or I think it's clever and witty. But I did not know the gender of the person that was helping me. Wow. Okay. And mm-hmm. it was, thank you. I really appreciate everything, but I wanted to kind of, you know, versus just thank you, thank you. Um, and that's when it came to my attention um, wow. that I didn't know the gender. And then 
what I found out since then and since doing this show is that it's okay to, to ask someone what their pronoun is. And the best way to do it is you can say, so for me, I would say, my, hey, uh, my name is Renee. I go by she, her, and you. And then they would say what their pronouns are. One of our pro, one of our pronouns, one of our guests is Griffin, who is not here this week. Hey, Griffin! They go by they, them. In the studio, there is a jar that Fox usually goes, Renee, you just messed it up again. See, I said he. He goes, they go by they, them. And even though I respect it, it's a mindset that I have to get out of. I've been better, but it just made it. And by doing this show, I'm still, I'm better at the day then, but you heard just then I said, he goes by. Um, and I mean, it's even made, pronouns have made their way into academia. Yeah. So um, it's okay to say they, them. Um, even when you're citing, you know, APA, that they have accepted they, them. Um, I just have to be careful when I'm reading academic essays that it's not just, uh, you know, somebody didn't do spelling grammar check. I think I am not sure where the Associated Press falls on this yet. Really? Wow. Okay. No. But I thought the Associated Press had a... They approved they as a singular noun for a non-specific person of undetermined gender. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Um, and more and more things are, more and more places that you go are asking what's your male, female, um, male, female, or other. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm seeing that more and more. You guys seeing that more and more? You know what I noticed? Um, if all of you are familiar with Tiffany Haddish on her comedy uh, special, yeah, yes. she's always using a totem like she ready, she ready. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, Tiffany's making it really cool to you know really embrace what you want to be called. That's the way I saw it. And oh, okay, it started- is, is that how she meant it, or she was just being funny? That's the title of her comedy special, and I, I guess. She's being funny, but I'm not going to say that um, I think she is an ally. Um, I believe that, but she's probably, um, you know, in pop culture, just using things that can open up, you know, her, her gates of opportunity for a bigger audience. Okay. Okay. Maybe she's just being clever with it. Yes. Okay. So um, the... Association of LGBTQ Journalists has a style book. Um, And I thought when I first received this, Sandy, that um, something was said that at one of the meetings that the AP has a similar style book. But from what I've heard with people that I've shared this with, that the NGA, NG, I can never get this acronym right. The N-L-G-J-A. Oh, my goodness. Um, that ours was more progressive. Yes. I thought that people have shown this through. And one of them was um, Naima Sanchez and some other folks. They thought that ours was more, I guess, progressive um, and detailed than the AP. Why should that surprise you at all? Well, yeah, okay. Okay, makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Can I, 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 I would, 
<laughs> yeah. But yeah, so the style book just talks about some of the terms that are out there and what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Um, everything from the word queer to gender identity, gender fluid. I'm just flipping through the book. Did you um, um did you guys hear about uh, someone was making pins? I don't know if this is old or not, but I just saw it. Somebody was making pins that you can wear out in public that say, um, it's got like the trans flag and it says something like you can come with me and it's supposed to like let trans people know that like if they want, like if it's a trans woman and you're wearing it as a woman, it lets them know that if they want, like want to be accompanied by another woman into the women's restroom so they don't get harassed, that like you'll you'll be willing to come with them, which is awesome. Oh, wow. Like that's, cool. that's really cool. Wow. So, so it's not for trans women. It's for women who are non-trans women to put it on as a signal to say, hey, I will go in with you. Yeah. Or men. Yeah. Men. Either or one. men. Yes. 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 Any, wow. You know, any per- trans person or gender fluid person that feels uncomfortable going into a certain bathroom because they think they might, you know, have something said to them or get harassed. It means like, yeah, you can come with me. I'll like come with you and like stick up for you. Wow. That's really cool. That is well, cool. Would you, would, so is, is this something new or not new or something? I don't know. I just I just saw it. Uh, it was a Facebook post. I should share it to the thing when I see it next. But it was a Facebook post. And I think, I don't know if I reblogged it, but I think so, one of my friends commented with a link where you can get them either oh, wow. locally or on Etsy. But I'll just share that to the Cue the Mic page. But yeah, it's, it's somewhat recent, I think. But it's awesome either way. Yeah, if you can send that to me, that would be absolutely fabulous. Um, one of the topics, so we had two things this week that came out. Um, one was on Tom Wolf that we'll save for the, um, I'm sorry. Um, I was about to move on. We're still doing the pronouns. I went through that whole rant. And Fox, you had something for the pronouns, didn't you? I've been in the house too long. I've been in the house way too long. Um, well, I just think we can talk about the Governor schedule. Wolf thing. Yeah, I have a printed schedule in front of me, so um, my apologies. Yeah, let's talk about the Tom Wolf thing and how that relates to her. Oh, I think I was just saying why, how we came up with the why pronouns matter. You know, and you see it with a lot of organizations, at least a lot of nonprofits, um, mm. where they sign up with their signature with their pronoun. I haven't seen That's that. That's what we see among journalists, too. And journalists, okay. Oh, internally, wow. Okay, so I sit on the board of Women Against Abuse and all of their emails and a lot of other, I guess, feminist organizations that or just nonprofits. And I did a lot of, do a lot of nonprofits. After their signature, it's, or sometimes right after their name before it goes on to the next line, it says pronouns and just yeah. says what the pronoun is. Yeah, you, you've seen it also? I've seen that too, like on different arts and cultural uh, grant okay. applications. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's cool. So, what did what did Governor Tom Wolf have to say? Governor, the governor. I was like, what is that accent? <laughs> um. So let's see. When was this title? Thirteenth. Oh, yesterday. So yesterday. Yes, yesterday Tom Wolf announced that the Department of Health will be including sexual orientation and gender identity questions on case history um, for investigations after contact with people who've tested positive for COVID-19. 
So, you know, more data means more information and more information means, you know, more identification of areas that need, um, need, need help, need something. And so, you know, we all, we talked about this on a previous show, but like sexual orientation and gender identity were not data questions that were asked in the 2020 census. Right. You could only signify it if you were married. So like it would ask for like same sex household questions, but it only counts if you're married, which doesn't really do much mm. for gender expression or a lot it, of it's other. It's kind of like I, don't ask, don't tell. Yeah, yeah kind of. So and like we've talked about this before, lack of LGBT data presents problems when it comes to assessing needs and allocating resources and representation and stuff like that. But he seems to be trying to rectify those issues, at least with this. So now there'll be some more, you know, a lot of people are going to be contacted about COVID-19 when this is all over because it's such a widespread community and world issue. So hopefully it, you know, I think he said, let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at it. It looks like called Sarah Alert. Yeah, it says um, Kenyatta, Malcolm Kenyatta, that we're waiting to come on our show. He was supposed to come on right when we got canceled, so we needed to reschedule. But he chimed in and praised the governor's efforts for um, making this health health crisis um, intended for many, for more than, you know, regular folks making sure we're getting some sexual orientation and gender identity in the mix. Yeah, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, let's That's see, cool. a good, a good, a good quote from uh, Deputy Director of the National LGBT Cancer Network said, "It used to be hard to explain why health data collection for LGBT plus people was important, but now with COVID nineteen, it's become crystal clear. At least half of a dozen states have started to step up to do better on collecting." SOGI data, but Pennsylvania's announcement today sets a new standard for the rest of the country to follow. And he hopes that hospital administrators all over the country are listening. Um, and yeah, this 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 COVID nineteen has has made it clear as to why uh, lack of understanding and and correct data has historically marginalized populations. And with COVID-19, like, that's exactly what's happening. More marginalized populations are being more affected by COVID-19, um, especially especially LGBT and especially, like, Black communities and poorer communities and immigrant communities and refugee communities, which I don't even want to think about how terrible that probably is for them right now yeah. without any real help. Like, we're barely, you know, it's, it feels like we're barely getting help as, you know, citizens and as people living in a city and I just can't imagine how bad it is for refugees and immigrants who are undocumented right now it just must be like insanely terrible so do yeah, we have I'm looking go ahead I'm sorry go ahead I'm sorry do we have any known cases of like any LGBTQ um community people being turned away from medical um care because of COVID I don't think so, and I certainly hope not. I would think that the hospitals are honestly too overloaded to even worry about that right now, but I certainly hope that's not the case. I wouldn't be surprised if it happens, Mm -hmm. but hopefully people are recognizing that this is like, because, you know, I I, I talk to a lot of health professionals. I'm kind of in and out of the industry, and uh, it's just, it's so crazy. It's so insane over there. It's just like, uh, we can't even imagine how bad it is in the hospitals. 
That's one of my biggest fears right now is like getting something else to happen, like breaking a leg and having to go to the hospital right now because they're just they're just so unbelievably unbelievably and i think my downstairs neighbor just became a doctor and like she doesn't i just like won't see her get her mail for like a day and a half at a time and i just know that she's probably in the hospital for like 16 20 24 hour shifts wow yeah i just saw a headline that i'm trying to find now and i saw it earlier and i thought i printed it out and it basically said that um, it was like 10,000 10, or 20,000 or 30%. It was a large number of folks that were deported that have coronavirus virus that they got while they were here and, wow. and, before they, were de- and they were deported back to their country. And I was just like, what? What a nice send off. Yeah, absolutely crazy. And, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I keep trying to push it away. I have something to say, but go ahead. We're going to finish this part, and then I'm going to go for it. I'm like a little kid today. Ignore me. Just a little kid. <laughs> well, that's about it. I just want, you know, it's just a good thing to talk about and bring up. It'd definitely be cool to talk to Kenyatta once he ever comes on, since he seems to be pretty close to it. But it was just something that was nice to nice to see that Governor Wolf is doing something. Um that is aiming towards mandating healthcare records for testing for LGBT patients and having us receive quality care and in the future and hopefully right now, but he's, he's not, you know, he's definitely done some things in the past. I don't agree with, but he's been handling this COVID thing really well. And it's nice to see that he's starting to look into, you know, helping communities that are being more affected by it disproportionately. Absolutely. You know, totally. Um, but what I have to say that's so exciting, well, it's not really exciting. Let me take that back. Um, <laughs> we have to talk about Little Richard. Ah, um, uh, yes. Little uh, Richard, man, I was reading something. Yes. Um, and I was thinking about you, Sharice. Uh, why do I want to mess up your week? If, <laughs> if, if, every possible way. It's like Friday for me. I'm going to um, give you a Hey, I'm gonna give you a nickname. <laughs> um, but little Richard, I saw that and I literally had a pause and go, "No, not little Richard." It's there. The family saying that it was a bleak bone cancer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's what they're saying. Yeah. Um, but yeah, died at 87. I didn't realize he finally got initiated into the um, Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I read something that said that um, I didn't know he was married. Didn't know he had an adopted son. Whoa. Um, and um, Tootie Fruity was all about booty. Did you guys know that or did you just <laughs> figure that's what it was? That I had heard. I had heard that, yeah. That it is it a booty call. It was actually what we would now say is NSFW, and uh, he had to... I'm sorry, NSFW? Not suitable for work. (laughs) (laughs) You made that up. (laughs) No. You made that up. It's a thing. It's a thing. (laughs) Wow. It says Um, here that while Tutti Frutti is considered a wholesome song, the actual lyrics were about booty. 
Um, <laughs> and it said, tutti fruity, good booty. If it don't fit, don't force it. You can grease it. Make it easy. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, come. I remember Parliament, the funk band, uh, the seminal funk band from the 70s, did a song called If It Don't Fit, Don't Force It. Yep. Yep. I didn't have to clear up the lyrics. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know that that's what the lyrics were? I didn't. I didn't. I did not. I did not. Honestly. (laughs) I did not translate. (laughs) And they changed it to. But I did not know what the actual words were. Yes. I found something, 10 things about about Little Richard that you did not know. Um, Yes, the the lyrics were reportedly changed to Tutti Fruity, Ah Rudy. Ah. But I can see Little Richard doing the first one. (laughs) Of course. Oh, my goodness. What were some of the other nine things? Um, So, right. So, he was influenced by, James Brown was influenced by Little Richard. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he was a huge influence on James Brown, both were from Macon, Georgia. Um, Richard wound up giving Brown a huge break, um, introducing him to his manager. Soon after, Brown would release his first hit single, Please, Please, in 1956. Yep. So I think that dates back all of us. Um, yeah. Jimi Hendrix, too, I believe, was in that. Wow. Yes, yep. yes. He was arrested in 62 um, for a section, sexual encounter with a man in a bus station restroom. Mm. Mm. Like he was um, arrested he does, for having sexual relations with a man? or cause, like, Because, well, in 1962, um, he was obviously. having a sexual encounter with a man in a bus station. According to NBC News, oh, in public. these were the times when gay men were often targeted for arrest. That too. Um, and often targeted for arrest by homophobic law enforcement, bars and locations of queer men frequently were preyed upon. Um, he struggled yeah. with addiction. No surprise there. Yeah. 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 I didn't know that he performed at President Bill Clinton's inaugural gathering. Yes, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Yes. He yeah, sure in nineteen ninety three. Yep, sure did. He he did good, golly, Miss Molly, huh? Yep. Wow, I did not know that. So, so Serena, you 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 knew that part. I knew that part only because I remember him, you know, he's always, um, you know, whenever he gets that opportunity that, you know, I was here before anyone else. Oh, I was doing my rock and roll. Yeah. <laughs> he gets it in. So, yeah, he took that opportunity as well. And it was it was, it was great to see uh, Clinton give him the platform, give him his due, you know, in that moment. Right. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm not sure why I didn't know that. I'm not that surprised, but I'm surprised why I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> and good. he had an epic, an epic dialogue about race and Dallin out in Beverly Hills. I saw that movie once. I don't think there's any need to see it again. It had a camera um, roll. It was a camera uh, roll. Yeah. Okay. Um, 1986. Um, he did a, yeah, it says cameo role about being a black man living in Beverly Hills. 
Um, um, in November 2008, Rolling Stone placed Little Richard as number 12 on the hist- on the list of 100 greatest singers. Mm. And I bet, man, he that never will get that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was just like, wow, I did not know that, especially about that song, Get the, what was it called? <laughs> Tootie Fruity. <laughs> Wait, uh, well, you know, it was records, you know, um, with music during that time, um, when Richard was trying to, I guess, really get his notoriety because of race records and, you know, them getting other singers to sing the lyrics. Right, and then they right. were twisting the lyrics, you know, so that it could get popular. You know, like we say, pop radio or pop play. Um, that's what they would do uh, because they knew that it would not go over well. You know, because still the world, even when it came to music, was still kind of religious-like. You know, right. the content was deeply, you know, you know, skewed. And so they did what they had to do. Um, and so, you know, he probably laughed to himself like, I know what it means. I don't know what it means yet, but <laughs> when it catches you know, up well, right, and and I'm thinking to myself, even if he changed the lyrics by the by the way he was shaking his booty and looking right. over his shoulder and, and, and giving you that look at his eye, you knew what he was saying. Something else. When somehow those words don't go with that, or it's something else behind <laughs> these words. Right, and and I can see him probably like, uh, you know what? I'm getting paid anyway. I'm I'm taking this <laughs> to bank. I own this, you know. I own the rights to this song, so switch it up if you will. <laughs> Yeah, and last but not least, he was abused by his father because his father kicked him out when he was 15 because he was gay. Um, mm-hmm. He said his his dad wanted seven boys and Richard spoiled it because he was gay, so he doesn't have seven boys. Oh, um, yeah. 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 Um, so, and the fact that he was married for, I think, just a year or so. Um, and he said he was omnisexual. Hmm. Omni. I don't think I know that one, actually. Yeah. Um, this was in 1959. He married Ernestine Harvin um, secretly from Washington, D.C. They divorced uh, two years later, according to CNN. But um, he identified as gay, bisexual, and even omnisexual. So we're going to take a quick break, and we are going to be listening to some music by Serena Soul. Yeah, I mean it, mean it. 
I'm still not really understanding the difference, but the definition seems to be so the, the the difference between pansexual and omnisexual says in the end we could both be attracted to the same person, but we experience that attraction differently. Omnisexual means attracted to own gender and all other genders. It is one of the subsets of bisexuality, which means attracted to own gender and other genders. Pansexual means attraction to person regardless of gender. So it seems like a semantics kind of thing. It based sounds on like, like the word. Fitting. Yeah, it sounds like a semantics thing because like omni. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so bisexual means bisexual because it means bi. You're attracted to your gender and another gender. And I guess omnisexual is the same thing, but it means own and all other. And pansexual is regardless. So I don't know. Mm. Really, quite, quite what the difference is. Um, Someone else, if someone, if someone else, if one of the listeners knows what it is, what it is, feel free to contact us and give us a good explanation. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I clicked on the same link from the article and got pretty much the same thing. It was compared to pansexual, and um, so, um, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that he was bisexual. Um, I knew that he was gay. Um, <laughs> I th- and I think I knew that before I even knew what gay was. You know, um, as a child, my siblings, my mother was married twice. So my older siblings are 17, 18 and 19 years older. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have this wide range of influences. Like my sisters are five older sisters, three years older, seven years older, and then 17, 18 and 19. So um, music and a lot of other things in life, I kind of get this wide perspective and um, I knew there was something different about him. Not that it was bad or anything. It was just something and I didn't know what it was. Um, and it felt like it was sexual without even knowing what sexual was, if that makes any sense. So you just saw gay or straight. You didn't see in between. I didn't even know what gay was. And by right. me being the youngest, frequently I was sent out of the room. Okay. Right. Um, okay. I remember hearing, I did not know what domestic violence was. But I remember hearing comments, like in the on, on a Sunday morning, like I guess after Ike and Tina performed, and or there was something in the newspaper, not often, something in the newspaper about Tina Turner Hospital. You see a black eye, and you know I was there was just when I walked in, just the conversation mm-hmm. was quiet, or I was sent out of the room. Um, mm-hmm. You know, as a kid, you kind of you deduce things. You kind of something's not right. Um, I didn't know what was going on, but it didn't feel right. Was that a black family sush or was that, is that like, like Fox, can you identify with that? Like, you know, other families, you know how in the black families was always like, you know, stay out of the room. You can't come in here while adults are talking. 
Is that a generation? I am not a good thing to go off of because I have a very odd family structure and it's very non-conventional and it was also very tumultuous like my childhood was so I'm not a great person to go off of I, I mean I saw a lot of I saw a lot of crap when I was a kid and not really for me but I can't I can't speak about that like I yeah. I've dated people that have very normal family structures and to anyone out there who also has a very sordid childhood uh, also feels this way. But then when you date somebody who has a very put-together family and, like, a very normal family, it's a very weird feeling when you go and meet that family because <laughs> you're just like, this is so nice. I don't know how to... I don't know how to act, so I'm just going to be really <laughs> awkward the entire time. But or at, least, <laughs> or at least the perception is that it's normal. Right, right, for sure. You can't always tell. But, like, in those situations where I'd be... With, you know, a family with, like, a whole family where their parents were both there, their parents were together. It seemed like it was kind of the same vibe of, like, you know, like, oh, shh, don't let the little ones here. Right. Okay. Yeah, and, and, you know, especially when it comes to things like domestic violence, gay, I remember there was something shushing or I was sent out of the room because there was a neighbor who was one of my older, the age of one of my older sisters, who... I knew that I didn't know what gay was, but I knew it had something to do with sex and not, and mm. I didn't even know what sex was, but he wasn't dating girls. He was dating, but it was always, you know, little comments and things. And I didn't, it was one of those things in hindsight, you start putting it together. As far as domestic violence, that has always been pretty much just as taboo. And we know that that crosses every financial, cultural, religious, financial, racial, cultural, cultural, what did I say, across every threshold. And I think probably the same thing with gay. But what's funny is that we have used the word normal. I think each of us kept kind of said it in the last couple of minutes. Um, so I'm in therapy. Everyone knows I PTSD, DV, whole history. So I'm doing some um, work in therapy. That's been very, very, I mean, I've just become this person who doesn't, um, you know, just go, oh, they said what? Have a nice day. How you doing? I just it's it's working. Therapy is a beautiful thing, but I'm doing this work. I'm putting it in the work. And sometimes it feels like I was raised by wolves because mm. of the abuse that I went through, come to find out not just from my first husband but from my mother, that it's like I don't know what normal is. And sometimes my therapist will go, you know, Renee, I don't like using this word with you, but when you do that, that's normal. That's what the rest of us go through. Um, mm -hmm. And I remember years and decades ago, I was at some convention and they had a T-shirt, maybe it was a postcard, and it was an auditorium. And there was a big banner across the auditorium, and it said National Association of Normal People. And in this huge auditorium, mm -hmm. like stadium size for like, you know, a sports, an NFL sports team, there were like three or four random people in there. The whole auditorium was empty, but it was the National Association of Normal People. And that's when I thought, I, oh, yeah, I don't think. I've I never heard that. <laughs> that's bizarre. But, but if you think about it, people are like, there's no real normal. You know, because when you pull back the curtain, you go, oh, my goodness. That's bizarre. <laughs> um, and if it wasn't for the fact that I have children that are alive, I would 
so make a fortune off of my family, man. Just <laughs> of the, they said and did what? Oh my God, I would be a billionaire right now. Only because I have children that are alive and grandchildren. Otherwise, I would just put it out there. The Nara Saga, and you would go, really? Oh my God. You know the story about the kids who lived in the attic? Is it something about the attic or something? Yep. Yeah. It, it, yep. it would be on that level. My dad, we had the best lawn in the neighborhood, but my God, yeah, your therapist said the same thing about normal. No, does- I was saying, some, it, it's what it feels like when I talk to my therapist, every time I talk to a new therapist or I have to go through, cause I just, I had to, my therapist left the practice, so I had to get a new one in the same practice. Oh, so God. I just have to go back through the history and re-explain everything. And I'm like, every time I do it, I feel like I'm just like retelling like an epic saga <laughs> to them. And I'm just like, this just feels like I'm repeating like a storybook to you now. I'm just like watching your reaction. <laughs> my therapist, listen, I see my therapist now. We talk on the phone. Um, and she said last week that she was, she said, so Renee, next week, and she said, so we need to, I'm like, well, what are you trying to say to me? Spit it out. What, what are you trying to say? You can't go anywhere. You cannot die. You cannot die until after me. You cannot stop this practice. You cannot leave and go to another agency because I will follow you, even if I don't even fit the criteria. Okay. But no, that, that's my worst nightmare is having to change a therapist, Fox. I totally feel you. But yes, you'll go, Renee. You know, I don't want to say what's normal because nothing's normal. But she'll say, no, the rest of us feel that too, whether it's an emotion or something. And she'll go, okay, it's normal. What you're feeling is normal. Um, probably about two years ago, um, we were talking about something. Um, totally losing my train of thought here. And the show's like going to the left. Um, right. She said something about, you know, people don't remember how, you know, they remember, they they won't remember what you say or do, 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 all these things, but they remember how you make them feel. And I was just like, yep. yep. Really? Yeah. I had never heard this before. It's Maya Angelou. That's what she said. Yes. She said, Maya said it. She said, and I'm going, this is totally a new concept. As a human that's 62 years old, I should not be just getting this memo. It's true. It is so true. Think about it in every incident yes. that you experience. And it wasn't even the topic of the conversation, but she just gave that. And I'm going, whoa, 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 back up to that. What'd you say? It, I had never heard that before. So again, it takes me back to that conversation about what's normal and what's not normal. Um, yeah, for so. sure. And when I, when I say it normal, usually what, cause like it's, the word has morphed to me so much because like, you're right, there is no real normal. And I've learned that growing up. Usually when I, when I reference like normal and not normal, like when you grow up in a, in a, an environment that's like very toxic and like a lot of bad things happen or like it's abusive. You don't always know that like, that's not supposed to be what's happening or like, you don't really realize when you're, when you're younger that like, this isn't the way that things are supposed to go. or This isn't really okay. And you don't mm-hmm. realize that till later on. So like, that's kind of when I distinguish normal between what's normal and what's not like things that are supposed to like, things that are, are, aren't healthy and aren't supposed to be happening continuously to you versus, you know, things that are at least moderately healthy and like, you know, what, like what, what is supposed to be facilitated in an environment for like a young child or something like that. So that's kind of what I mean by normal. It's more like, 
it's more like you know just like the realizing like the realizing of what things like happened to you when you were younger that like shouldn't have happened right. to right. a specific kind you know like they shouldn't happen to any child or they shouldn't happen to any person and be considered like it, it's about like taking accountability of being like okay no that wasn't okay it's okay that I feel like that wasn't okay and I need to recognize that that wasn't like a normal healthy thing to go through and that's what I love about the show it's just it's it's because it's that you don't have to be gay or just black or white. I mean, there are certain things as humans, as mm-hmm. as humans, right. um, this conversation about normal happens to humans. It doesn't matter whether black, white, purple, gay, straight, Protestant, Baptist, whatever. Um, it happens to us as humans. It kind of, um, um, and that's what I love about the show is that it, it's about kind of what happens to us as humans. Um, but we're going to roll on so that we don't, um, go over because somehow online I think every meeting I've been in last week I was in two meetings and they both went over by like an hour like not 10 <laughs> or 15 minutes like an hour in person they are always like nope got to get out of here we got people want to go left. places <laughs> yes in person I have never been now to we're a all just meeting around like I don't have anywhere <laughs> yeah and it's like we are always out of there like literally wrap it up we got about 90 seconds left everybody better wrap it up because we're out of here on the phone, they say, Karen, we've gone over, and our show has done this, so we've been working really hard on making it. it. Anyway, with that said, I'm going to shorten that. Miss um, Fox, do you have a rant this week? I do, and it's quite a heavy one, so I apologize, but it's something I feel like we need to talk about. Okay. Um, if I gave it a title, it would be... Also, this is a slight trigger warning to anybody that's listening. I will be talking about uh, vigilante terrorism and what I consider modern day lynching. Um, so there's, there's three things I heard about that happened this week or happened a month ago. Um, two black members of the community in different areas of the United States that were racially motivated. Uh, one of two of them resulted in a death. One of them did not, but it has the same mentality of white vigilante terrorism. So I felt like it was, it was appropriate. The, the, the one that didn't result in the death, um, and it was in Oklahoma, a black delivery driver was held against his will in the neighborhood by a bunch of white dudes who lived there and stopped him and demanded what he was doing and demanded that he tell, he's a, he was working. Not that that matters. Like he could have lived in that community. Maybe, uh, no, he was working, but he still, he could have lived in that community but he was at work. He was just trying to make some deliveries. And these people stopped him and demanded to know where he was going and then blocked him in so he couldn't leave. Wow. Making him late for his job. And to the point where the, the man, you know, the man called the cops on these white dudes, um, which is scary enough to do. So, like, they, that, was, that was a whole other thing that he had to do. And the cop obviously made the guy move because he couldn't hold him there. And so, luckily, that didn't end in something worse. But it was the same mentality. It was these white dudes being like, I need to take it on myself to go stop this person that doesn't belong. And you can't see my air quotes. Doesn't belong in this community. So it's my job to go up and freaking terrorize them. And that's the same mentality um, around what happened to... I'm sorry if I don't pronounce his name. I actually haven't heard it yet. So... Uh, 
Ahmad Aubrey. Mm-hmm. I believe it is. That's the same mindset around what happened to him, except unfortunately ended uh, fatally. And I wanted to talk about it because it was really horrible and it was the same mentality. So basically what happened was an unarmed black man who was just jogging in his neighborhood got run down. Uh, and by that, I mean, he got followed by two white dudes, a son and a father who followed him on his jogging trail, boxed him in, and then tried to shoot him with a, or came at him with a shotgun first off. So clearly like any sane person would do, um, Ahmad tried to get the shotgun away from him. And then, you know, and then he got shot twice in the chest and he, he died. And yeah, I watched the video. It was really tough. It was, yeah, it was, it was, I watched a clip where like, it was cool. Cause it was like a law person breaking down each scene and why he thinks that it will work to prosecute because it was so clearly just a dude jogging and with nothing on him. I mean, I thought it was a little boy because it was just like, he was just wearing a white t-shirt and some freaking some boxing shorts, you know, and, and running. And he just looked so like he had nothing on him. And, you know, and basically what someone was saying was like, Oh, well, why did he go? He, he was running on the left side and then he crossed to the right side to go around the truck. And the reason was, is because the person in the driver's side was so clearly sitting in the driver's side holding a shotgun. And he was probably like, okay, that's really uh-huh. startling. I'm going to go around the other side because that guy's holding a fucking a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically the reason that... <laughs> so he wasn't just in the car with the guns, these two guys. Then and then just like ran into him. Um, he, they got into their car, loaded their guns when they saw the guy running in the neighborhood because they believed that he matched the description of a burglary burglary suspect in the area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's that is literally the only reason they believed he matched the description of a burglary suspect. And also, police looked in on the records. There was really no break-ins or burglaries in the neighborhood from January to February. Right. Um, three thefts maybe reported about two months before the shooting. And then something about the defense, they were trying to say, like, oh, well, he, he ran into this um, house that was being built and was being sketchy. But there was video evidence in that house that was being built. And he just walked in and, like, looked around and then left, which isn't a crime. Literally everyone does it because, cool, how does a house get built? Even the owner of that house was like, he didn't do anything. He didn't break anything. He didn't steal anything. It's a pile of wood. Um, It's just, so the defense attorney, we were worried that, you know, the defense attorney may argue that Arbery was ordered to stop because I guess the guy was telling him to stop struggling with the guy who was trying to shoot him. Um, But instead of doing that, he grabbed the gun and commenced what they are going to say is a violent attack. But hopefully, uh, let's see, what Sarah Gerwig-Moore, she's an associate dean for academic affairs at Mercer University School of Law. She's been making comments on it. Um, she thinks that won't hold up very well because in a legal setting, Georgia law does not allow for self-defense defense when the person carrying out the shooting initiated the encounter, which he did. A struggle over a gun doesn't establish self-defense. 
and the McMichaels brought the guns into the incident willingly, and they had initiated the encounter by first approaching Arbery with the firearms. And obviously, like we said, he tried to disarm them because that's what you would do to survive someone coming at you with a gun, especially as a black man in America and to, like, I can say this, and I think everyone can say this, two hick-looking dudes in a pickup truck (laughs) with some shotguns. Mm -hmm. And it just, oh, his poor mom, too. I, like, watched the video with her talking, and it was just so brutal and... They can't, they have nothing on him. He didn't, he wasn't doing anything. He was just like, it's so, and it's the same mentality. I just cannot wrap my hand around this. Why no one's talking about this. It is, it is, it does. It feels like, it feels like I am reading a book. I feel like I'm back in high school and I'm reading books about bands of white men going around lynching like black, black, black boys. You know, I, it's exactly what it feels like. It's just modern. It's 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 completely ridiculous. They had nothing, and they felt like they needed to go. And even if, oh my God, even if, even if he was robbing anything, what gives you the right to go shoot him? That is not how the law works, even if he was doing something and he wasn't. It's just, oh, oh my God. And it needs to be... And now I think they did, they did arrest him and, you know, that's great. You know, that's progress. Not everyone gets that. But at the same time, it's, it's, it's so easy to think that like, they're going to get off lightly because we've seen that too many times. And, um, this isn't as much of the same vein, uh, mentally, but there, I also want to mention, uh, what's been going on two months ago, Brianna Taylor, who's a 26-year-old EMT, also a black woman, yeah. was shot and killed in her apartment by police. Um, this is another thing that's gotten me really angry in the same in the same vein. It's not white vigilantes, but it's just white vigilantes with a badge, so it's not really many different. Um, yep. But they... Yeah, and I think a lot of what I've heard have been law enforcement um, or a retired law enforcement, which is just like, whoa, are you kidding me here? Yeah, that's. I think yeah. that was the, uh, the 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 one of the the dad in the in the situation with Arbery. He was a he was a retired or I don't know if he was retired or fired. Retired. Yeah, he was also a retired fired. cop. And I found yeah. out that the reason he got taken off the force was because he did not attend a mandatory. Um, what is it? Use of deadly force training. So wow. big surprise there. Um, this is what I mean. Even that's even that's connected to the police. And this one, it was just like she was literally in her bed asleep, and they and they they broke into her house and shot her because you know the boyfriend was with her, and then they just unmarked police officers, unmarked people bursting into your house. You're gonna defend yourself, like it's. And then they killed her. And now he's being charged with attempting to murder a police officer, even though they just burst into their house in the middle of the night with no actual warrant for them. And, sh- and who wouldn't, I would defend myself. Like, and Taylor's mother actually, and her attorney also brought up a really good point. They said that officers atta- obtained a so-called no knock warrant, which wouldn't make any sense because the, Police claim that they identify themselves before entering. If you had a no-knock warrant, what's you would a identify. No-knock, what's a no-knock warrant? It means it means police officers 
burst in and don't okay. like, basically don't like identify themselves. They don't because they're trying to get in without being noticed. Right. Um, which they wouldn't do. They wouldn't identify themselves in that situation. So like it doesn't make sense. And also I've been finding out that they the police said that they had already arrested the primary target of the target of the narcotics investigation that they had the warrant for. So they already had the person they were looking for in custody when they broke into this house. It's just like, none of it makes any sense. Um, and these have all been in the last few weeks, correct? Yeah. Um, she was, she, we're all ago. just hearing about it right now, but it was two months ago. And then I'm Marie, who I think was like last week or the week before. And this, uh, the delivery driver thing, I believe happened Monday. A Monday of this week. Um, and it's just, this is what, you know, this is what is going to be important. We're talking about the election coming up besides mm-hmm. everything else is important, <laughs> the election, because um, there's a lot riding on it. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of Biden. I, I'm, I, my personal view is not the views of Q the Mic Radio or G Town Radio. Um, I don't trust him. I think he's kind of a creep, and I don't think that, you know, allegations aside, I think he's a creep. Video evidence, he creeps me out, and I don't think he's had great policies uh, for Black communities or impoverished communities or immigrant communities in the far past. But, you know. This stuff has always happened, but I think people are getting a, a wave of confidence. Uh, these these white these white terrorists uh, and white vigilantes are getting a wave of confidence from the current president and all the rhetoric that he has been spewing. Um, it's it's just in, it's emboldening to have a president who shares your horrible views and validates some of the things that you say to try to rationalize the things that you do. So part of ending that is, you know, getting him out of office, which besides COVID aside, the whole situation he's handled with COVID was obviously atrocious. Um, There's other important things that we need to think about. So. Including making sure that folks register to vote by mail. Now what's Uh. the, Deadline, because I've been hearing like three different things. It's coming up soon. I actually was going to mention that because I actually received my, um, on May the 5th, I did my ballot application. Um, or no, I have an email here. It looks like I did the ballot application on the 27th of April or May the 5th. I got an email saying your application has been processed. It's approved. Your application will receive an email when your ballot materials have been mailed. And I actually got my ballot materials earlier earlier this week. Um, I don't remember what the date is, but we should probably post oh, that on social media. The voter registration deadline is the same no matter how you register to vote 15 days before any election. But, you know, it's right, better late than never. I don't, I feel like there might be a cutoff still. Right. It, there is a cutoff to get, so you can register to vote by mail. Um. And I actually got my document one day this week, and I think it's still sitting in the hallway. Um, but, yes, it's important for folks to register to vote by mail or absentee ballot versus trying to depend on going to the polls. 
I mean, I just see that being problematic with the distancing and for folks yeah. who maybe not go out there. It's a really important election. Yeah, very important election. Just do it today. Just like get it out of the way. Make sure you can. But um, yeah, and it's it's really easy. It I mean, it literally took like two seconds. You know, they kind of validated my phone number or my social security number or something, and it was done. They sent me an email. It was very easy to do. Um, Serena, do you have any? Um, and Sandy, do you guys have any thoughts about the rant that I had? I didn't want to cut you off. It's just when I get going, I like. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, you know, the young lady that you mentioned, um, you know, my heart goes out to all those families and for just, I don't know, what we continue to go through as a larger community over and over again. Um, you know, like, we don't have the answers. Like, I don't know why people feel that they can um, force Force when they don't want to really do the work to find out really who, uh, you know, is doing it, whether it's robberies or drugs or what have you, and they just get an identity and they go with it because they just want to get through the case. They just want to get the case out of their way, off of their file, out of their file, off their desk, or what have you. And um, all these innocent people um, just being killed, murdered. I mean, a young lady in the bed with her boyfriend, husband. He's trying to protect her. And I just heard that today. And um, and we just found out about it. It happened two months ago. And we're just finding out about that. Exactly. Why did, that's what I was surprised about. Why did, why did it take so they long for us to hear about it? No, they don't know what to say. It's like they've up so much, you know. Yeah, they, so clearly, they clearly had no idea what to say because they were just like mixing up their Yeah. Like, and, and you can't just totally sweep it under the rug. Because someone, you know, someone knows. A lot of people know some information and how much of it is going to really, um, you know, get to the right sources so that those families are vindicated. Um, but, you know, losing a life that way when you're doing all the right things, it's just, it's just beyond me. It's, I, I don't know. I, when I was listening to you, it was just taking me back to all the stuff I was thinking yeah, earlier. <laughs> No, when they were talking about a case, and it was great that you brought it up. Yeah. Um, oh. yeah, you know, it's like, it's, yes. it's the mentality, too. And, and people who we say put our trust in. It's yeah, like, exactly. Who we put our trust in. And it's, it's just it's the rhetoric. Like, it's these, you know, these cops didn't get this way, and these people didn't get this way just like by themselves. I actually just watched, a, I listened to a podcast where they were talking about the Charleston church shooting, too. and um, it was interesting hearing about it again now and then hearing about all this other stuff because the, I listened to a lot of the, like, a lot about the shooter and about like his motivations. And it was so interesting to me because everyone was talking about like, oh, he never said anything like this to us before. And like all his black friends were like, it's weird. Cause he never said anything like this to us before. And he even was, when he was saying that he spent an hour in the church with them afterwards mm. that he felt bad and he was saying it was hard to talk about because it felt bad which first off you know screw you but it was interesting because what the change was people were saying is that he never acted like this and then he went on this website um i forget what it is it's like a more it's like a more socially acceptable white nationalist group but they they worded things like they were calling for the same things but they were wording it in a more Mm -hmm. a, a certain kind of way and it convinced him 
that there was a white genocide and it convinced him that Mm. it was something he needed to do. Someone had to do it. He felt bad because these people were so nice in this church and he felt bad. But like, he said that like, if no one did it, if no one had like, if, if, if no one had done it, he had to do it. And like, cause he was convinced by, because of this website and because of these people spreading all this fake, like this fake um, statistics about uh, black and white crime. And it convinced him enough. And, and, and the rhetoric convinced him enough that like, I need to do something about it because nobody is. And that is just the rhetoric of all of these other white terrorists. It's the same rhetoric of the people that killed um, the young man earlier this week. And it's the same uh, Ahmad and it's the same rhetoric for the guys that pulled over. Luckily that didn't end as badly as it could have, but it's the same rhetoric. And it's like, we can't, it's hard, especially, you know, it's us white people. I know it's hard to have that conversation with your racist dad or your racist uncle or whatever, but like, you know, if, if they're already that deep in there and they're, you're the only ones they're going to listen to. So like, you gotta have this conversation with them because like people don't get like this on their own. But then they're they're you start hearing them talk about it, and then you just like, oh, that's just stupid. That's just like them being old or racist. And but like, no, you have to you have to correct them. You have to keep correcting them because if they think it's okay, and they think that like this is what I have to do to to save us from this imaginary white genocide, then like they're gonna go all vigilante on it, and it's just. It's just really sad. It's really sad that things turn out like this. <laughs> yeah, but, I say all the time, Fox said, um, you know, racism as children, children don't know the difference between black, white, or any other culture or race. They just know that they like a truck, a car, a doll, or, or what have you. They like playing in the sand. They like, you know, running across the street or what have you. And so it's taught from the system within, whether it's the household, or the structure that they've been placed in. Um, I can remember back as early as I was in, I was 12 years old. I was the only African-American girl in a class. The only one. I remember showing up because my mom said, you're going to a new school starting Monday. And I had no idea what this school was. And I showed up. No one in the class looked like me. Um, But, uh, I was sat in the front of the classroom and uh, and I looked around and I can see everyone looking back at me and um, I had a very um, courageous teacher who just looked right directly at me and she says, you're going to be okay. Um, You're going to be okay. And she addressed the classroom and I think it was because of her stance and, and how she made me feel welcome that I opened up and I just said, you know what, I'm going to stand up for myself in a way that I'm visible. I don't see myself any different than you sitting across from me unless you make a difference. Yeah, exactly. That actually reminds me a lot of Renee. You said that she was raised like that. Yeah, it was something in me. And um, there were times, I, I remember there was a, probably like during around Christmas time, we had the Pollyanna where you, you know, you um, switch gifts. And this one guy across from me, we were having a social studies lesson and opened the book and they showed a picture of a backyard in the ghetto. So then he looks at me and says, Oh, does your backyard look like that? Oh <laughs> so, my God. It was wow. out of him. 
So my, my cougar is shilling to the left of me, smashed his fingers in between the desk. <laughs> so, you know, so I had I had people that stood up for me, at, you know, and so that did not take me out, you know? Yeah. Um, totally unexpected. Didn't take me out, but he ended up being my Pollyanna for that Christmas. And his uh, mother gave yeah. me this beautiful hat and glove set and scarf <laughs> that he had to give me. So it was like the best revenge, like... <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I, and I remember, you know, and then coming back to a totally urban, you know, area where I lived after dealing with that. So I had these shifts. Um, not everybody is prepared to deal with that, though. You know, if yeah, I didn't have a loving home, like yeah, the, the home that, you know, made sure I knew who I was or the support that I had once I went to the other side in school. Um, that that probably saved me. So even to today, I I I have friends of all groups. I don't I don't worry about the culture, the nationalities, or what have you. I just if I like you, I love you, what have you. That's that's just the way it is. Yeah, that's great. I, I, I yeah, I grew up in the area like that, and it was just like uh, that's why I moved. That's why I left. Yeah, <laughs> I just I couldn't take it. All the all the all the ignorance was just like too too much to be around constantly yeah. alrighty we are going to move on to thank you for that rant it definitely needed to be discussed I've definitely, I'm not on social media that much so um, I usually <laughs> tell people don't invite me to important stuff or don't send me an important message because when I'm on there it's usually for a specific task usually to see a picture of my grandson maybe it's work related and if whatever you're doing passes you through right there from that moment that I'm on there and looking, I'm going to see it. But I have seen a lot of posts that says, um, you know, as black people, we can't go to the grocery store. We can't jog. We can't do all of that. So I knew it was something and I was missing, but thank you very much for bringing that up because it was something that was definitely out there a lot this week and maybe two weeks. I'm hard with time frames, and usually I have to ask Google or Alexa, what day is it? And is it AM or PM? I don't even know. <laughs> This, this podcast is like the only reason I ever know what day it is anymore. Um, so we have gas queue, which is gay answers to straight questions. What do you got, Miss Fox? Um, let's see. I have some pretty. Okay, this one's more funny than it is because we can answer it, but at the same time, I just can't. So this person worked in a in a white in a white uh, white collar office. With a lot of mostly just like a bunch of white dudes. And in an email response, so the person included their pronouns in their send off, and then some dude commented and re- responded to that with just, What's a pronoun? <laughs> okay. Like, All right, first off, you know, this is a long answer. <laughs> There's Google, okay. What's There's Google. A pronoun? Yeah. <laughs> Like, what? You're already on a computer. Google is, like, a click away. So the question becomes, are they just being, uh, um, we're on FM radio, are are, are we just being a jerk? Yeah, Um, I know. Or are we, um, or is it just, you know, the true word of ignorance? Which which part of ignorance was it, is the question. (laughs) Willful or intentional? I don't know. Um, 
I'm not sure, but it kind of it half made me laugh until I was like, it's either it's either funny because it's just so so ignorant, or it's not funny because it's so ignorant. Yeah. And then yeah. um oh this. <laughs> This is another one. This is another one of something akin to the one of the ones we answered last week, but it's a lot more offensive. So, you know, this is from this person's childhood friend. And this person had cut their hair and started using masculine pronouns and words to refer to themselves. And their friend said, please don't tell me. Are you one of those crazies? You know, referring to trans people I think that, that's along the same lines as weird gender people but it's a lot more offensive because that's not nice um, being trans doesn't make you crazy nope. and using trans you know using masculine pronouns when you're not masculine and cutting your hair do not make you crazy that's a horrible word stop using it fox out <laughs> <laughs> Um, it may take it, it may take the dying off of our generation for us to get past this. Um, I mean, I don't know how old this guy was, but I have a strange suspicion that he was closer to my age, Fox, than to yours. It might have been a girl. They just said they just said their childhood friend. Ah. So okay. I don't know. It was just the the person who it was said to was masculine, but I don't know who the other person was. But I'm it calls for singular they. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that was offensive. Stop calling people crazy. Are you there, Renee? Yes, and for um, sorry, my phone was muted. I'm so sorry. Um. Yeah, no, and I'm, I, I heard like short hair. Well, my hair is not sh- it's short. Well, right now it needs to go to the barber shop, so it's like down my, it's in my eyes and down my back, you know. And I'm flinging it over my shoulder, um, deciding whether I'm just going to dye it blonde or chop it off myself. It's cute. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. People see me and go, "Oh my God, your hair!" I know. I know. I know. I so need. <laughs> Not saying I would even the barbershop open up next week. I'm not going. I just I think they're opening up the country too fast. Um, that's a whole nother show. We're already seeing spikes in in states that open up. We're already seeing spikes in people closing back up because it was just like exactly what we thought was gonna happen. Right, right, right. But we'll move on to newsworthy or not. This is a speed round. It's our opportunity to go over some of the headlines that we didn't get a chance to respond to. Sometimes my team likes to make it into another show. But it's supposed to just I have... Edit. I'm going to edit. And it was 100% you and Sandy last time. <laughs> and the guest. It It's supposed to be I roll two snaps, child please next, or whatever kind of word comes into your head. But sometimes conversations happen. But it's just supposed to be headlines. Speed round. Are we ready? Ready. Okay, you got your one or two words ready? I'll start off with the good stuff. Are you ready? Today, May 14th, is National Dance Like a Chicken Day. 
Today? Today. Now, didn't you need to hear that? In the middle of a pandemic, how long have we been in the house? I just see a bunch of people. Just long. Like, uh, we need to keep <laughs> the chicken Yes. Um, it's okay. also National Buttermilk Biscuit Day. Ooh. Always good. Well, that just says that in a couple of more weeks, when we're a month, when we're allowed to leave, we're going to be a little bit more. It's going to be more of us. We're eating too many, too many biscuit, buttermilk, buttermilk biscuits. But I think if you eat the biscuit while you're doing the dance like a chicken, you might work some of it off. Um, campus life in the fall. Um, just throw the biscuits on look the ground. Right. Throw the biscuits on the ground. Eat them like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. Um, um, campus life. So some schools are already saying that they're going to stay closed, while other schools are still deciding. I know Griffin, our co-host, making sure I get the pronouns right, has been having a hard time. They went to Community College of Philadelphia. I think Community College is one of the was one of the last schools to kind of decide what they were going to do. And Griffin really had a tough time. And other people that I talked to, because um, I teach online, I was already teaching online, um, faculty were having a hard time adjusting um, to uh, teaching. Well, you said I should respond with one word. Um, I do think oh. that there is something to physical presence that just can't be matched online. And we will discover as we go on you know, trying to do everything virtually, just how much that makes a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially for faculty and for students that are not used to that. So, but that's been a big thing. And last week, I believe we reported that a couple of students around the country, including some students at University of Pennsylvania, and I believe Drexel was the other school, are still in the university saying that their education was not as robust as they what they paid for. And I'm like, dude, it's the best we can do. In the middle of a pandemic, they said we couldn't have classes. We're just trying to get you so you don't lose everything you've done. But, yeah, mm-hmm. they're still in, still in the schools. Um, yeah. Is the education they're getting regularly is worth what they pay for it? Right. Well, you know, if they went this started February, which means they would have lost this whole semester. That means you're graduating sometime late. But I won't go there because this is supposed to be newsworthy or not. Last month, yes. And we said this before, but I thought it was worth saying again that baking can reduce stress and give comfort during these times. Yes. Go make buttermilk. Go bake some buttermilk biscuits. I tried to find a whisk the other day to make a birthday cake, and they were completely gone. Really? Yeah. (laughs) People are having a hard time finding yeast as well. Everybody on my Instagram, everyone on my Instagram is baking bread right now, and they look, like, so misshapen, but delicious. It's just funny. Yeah, we're all going to emerge larger. So that's it for Cue the Mic Radio. Serena Soul Brown, thank you for joining us. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So we're going to have some of the music. Tell us and tell our listeners where they can find your music, where they can find your sites. Well, serenasoulbrown.com. And also on YouTube, YouTube Music, and iTunes, Amazon, any digital store 
that you have an app to, I'm on. <laughs> Does it make there it easy? <laughs> and that's, that's awesome. S O L. S O L, like the sun. Like the sun. Ah, okay. And uh, spell your first name too, just because I know sometimes um, some people spell Serena. Like, yeah. Serena, S E R E N A, like Serena Williams, but put the S O L in it, and then you'll be right at Brown. Serena So Brown. Thank okay. you guys for having me so yeah. much. I appreciate you. Yes. You yes. It's been, it's been a you minute. Mike. Cue the mic. Cue the mic. Cue the mic. It was <laughs> great catching up for, up for you. We have to do it in person once this whole thing goes away. Yes. Just sure. call me. <laughs> I'll be I here. sure will. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Right. And Good I will night. With Thank you guys so much. This right. is Germantown Community Radio, 92.9 FM, WGGTLP, and online at gtownradio.com this has been cute and mike have a good night everyone good night peace out thank you bye hey, thank you so much for nate thank you fox thank you mr smith <laughs> all right now bye-bye all right, right thank you serena bye to hurt you you know it wasn't intentional always loved you 
So I hope that you remember me Hope I left a good legacy I tried to teach you Hope I reached you Peace be with you Now I leave you It's my time To say goodbye Then I say hello To the blue sky And to the earth To the To the earth, to the earth I say Mm-hmm.